we are listening to coloring on walls podcast i am nirali and we are uh, currently continuing our series of roti kapra makan that is food clothes and settlements and in this episode we are focusing on food aspect and we want to explore what is our relationship with food how it affects our lifestyle and the environment in general for this conversation we have um neharika is this fabulous person who uh, manages an amazing cafe in delhi but apart from that she also makes her own butter peanut butter and that is just so great so i'll let neharika introduce herself okay hi guys um i'm neharika and as pavia said uh, my key skills include making peanut butter that's what i do <laughs> That's how I've been making friends <laughs> and um, and cookies and cakes and pizza. No, exactly. I mean, that's all you need. I think that is also a great way to be sustainable. I mean, growing your own food, making your own food. I think that's one of the key areas that really made me go out of home and think about how to sort of make food systems outside sustainable as well. so started mm-hmm. from university i mean starting from home actually and then going to university and then now at cafes this is what i do and apart from that i work with different small businesses with lots of underrepresented communities mm-hmm. and um, especially in the food industry and in the fashion industry and it's been it's been quite a journey Wow, that's very interesting. You hear that you make your own food, and I'm also Bhavi also told me that you are also growing your own food. Am I correct in that? Yes. You have your own garden. Yes. So in that uh, in that aspect, like, how is your relationship with food has changed? Because as you know, most of us, especially me, yeah. I used to I don't even cook that much. Yeah. So when we started working from home and in living in more independently, my relationship with food through cooking changed a lot. I could understand it more and consume more consciously. And with yeah. you, you're even farming your own food. Yeah. So how has your relationship with food changed over the years? I think as a child I wasn't so interested in where my food came from but as and when I started growing my own food I think that relationship has changed phenomenally I no longer get attracted towards packaged foods for example mm. I automatically get attracted towards you know unpackaged raw foods I just find their colors very amusing I mean Abhavya and I, I think we had one of our initial conversations were around natural colors, yeah, natural foods, and it's literally almost it's it's a switch, it's a mindset switch. Suddenly, I don't find packaging so attractive as I mm. find, you know, like unpackaged raw food. Mm-hmm. So that's been that's that's one of the changes. Then, apart from that, I think I've just become a conscious consumer in the sense that I don't think I need so much anymore. earlier mm-hmm. i would just pick up everything that was new or on the shelf yeah and now it's just become about you know what like i'll just pick up like a rainbow set of greens and try to make something out of it and sort of experiment so i think that has changed it's become a lot more about is this local is this something i can procure can i get the seeds can i grow it on my own sort of a conversation in my head instead of Oh I want to consume this and I just want to know how it tastes. Yeah. So mm. that's very interesting. Yeah, like 
what were the challenges that you faced when you sort of like changed your lifestyle through uh, farming your food well i think initially to be honest it was a bit isolating mm, um, i i relate with yeah cuz uh, like i said that you know as a child i never did this yeah. but in universities when i really started transitioning towards this sort of a conscious lifestyle and not mm. because of the marketing i was looking at but just as a person i just started growing my own lavender i think that was the first thing i grew and it was because i was obsessed with tea and bhavya knows that yeah <laughs> so so growing my own lavender was the easiest thing to grow it smelled beautiful everybody loved it and then i started growing mint and then i started growing some more edible flowers and it just became sort of like a morning routine to look forward to every day no matter what was happening otherwise and i think i mean like challenges like as we were speaking about i think initially it just got a bit isolating because nobody else was really doing that in university mm. i mean you know everybody would just go out pick up like a couple of things from tesco and i would just be going to these sunday farmers markets mm. and i would be walking alone you know like there was yeah. nobody interested in really going and checking out a farmers market yeah. on sunday morning after being wasted on a saturday night yeah. <laughs> true no, honestly, it was almost as if like i wanted to wake up at 6 and just go because i didn't want to miss out on anything on that sunday and then yeah. everybody else was just like oh you're weird so but, but then um, just what like also charged this desire with the create a community um around mm-hmm. this mindset right yeah exactly i mean you know like initially like a few weeks into it i was just thinking maybe you know like maybe i'm the odd one out and then when mm. i started having these real conversations while you know yeah. in the laundry room like all of us waiting yeah. for like the laundry to get out of the washing machine and stuff like that in the community spaces that we had i realized mm-hmm. that everybody was feeling it at some mm. level but they weren't vocalizing what they were feeling because you know it wasn't socially cool not except yeah. it was just yeah. not cool to talk yeah. about these things openly or actually to even participate in these things so they would yeah. rather go to tesco and pick up a pack instead of you know waiting for a sunday actually exploring what are the local greens or something and then you know looking at that so it started with a it started with growing potatoes in ireland actually you know so we came up with this little farm in mm. the Mm-hmm. the student uh i mean accommodation itself wherein this it was just like seven of us and we started growing potato and all mm-hmm. people like we had laundry conversations with it was like <laughs> this let's just do something we <laughs> 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 just grew like potatoes and it became a thing then like you know yeah. then the next batch came in and they grew other vegetables and now it's just like this vegetable plot in the middle of the student council and it's super cool it's just a start Yeah, definitely it's so cool and interesting know. to know yeah people started actually like coming in there to de-stress like they were just be smelling yeah. flowers and like going around cleaning up the space so it's like feeling the mud and <laughs> people i i remember people started just sitting on the soil having these real conversations and it was just so heartwarming to see that happen yeah definitely food has an innate quality right to bring people together yeah. whether it was like in a di- on a dining table at home or outside yeah. and now the whole process of growing exactly. food it also brings together that's amazing absolutely 
So I believe, can you tell us more about your uh, cafe than how you started with this organic food production process? So Greena came in as an idea of by these two amazing people, Nitin and Mohit. So Nitin was a lover of food, Mohit was a lover of space, and it was just a magical conversation that just happened. And it really began with a few tables and just, you know, the idea that vegetarian food or plant-based food, to be honest, can be fun mm -hmm. or can be interesting. Because if you look at the Indian market right mm -hmm. now, it's, if you look at vegetarian food, it's just Indian food. It's just bunny. Yeah. It's just, you know, like you have these three options and nobody's thinking beyond that. And nobody's yeah. thinking uh -huh. experimental. If they're thinking experimental, it just automatically becomes junk. Mm. The idea was to actually drill to keep right. food um, as it should be, but also make it really interesting. So seeking inspiration from all over the world. The team mm. is very well traveled. Like all of us have either grown food, experimented with food, or really been big time foodies. So all of mm -hmm. that, I think, came into play. And then the idea of sustainability in the sense that how can we, so it's called greener and not greenest, <laughs> right? We're, we're constantly Correct. innovating, we're constantly yeah. getting, we're constantly learning with every conversation we have at the cafe on how can we improvise <laughs> and how can we be better. So it's, it's not just in the food, it's in the space, it's in, it's in how we do every single thing. So next, like next week onwards, we're completely changing our supply chain, for example. We're, I see. We're completely switching away from commercially produced crops such as wheat and rice oh. and going back to native millets, native wow. crops. And these are all coast towns. These are from towns that have been sort of left by the dwellers because they've come to the cities, they seek these jobs, mm. such as, which are taxi driver jobs, stuff yeah. like that. Just because their mm -hmm. fields of gold, literally, because millet is now considered so important that right. it's being compared to gold, is uh, is apparently useless to them because nobody's giving them the kind of value that it deserves. But so, this is just so interesting yeah. that uh, the, the uh, situation is quite adjacent in the fashion industry as well because yeah. there's uh, cotton had become the default and now people are looking at indigenous solutions. Um, so uh, it's quite interesting that way. And with Greener, I've always felt um, that uh, you guys have... Uh, like you guys communicate providence very strongly with whatever yeah. you make and yeah. uh, that you can always feel in the space absolutely and i think it's it's just an authentic conversation you mm. know i mean there are so many people honestly that are doing this there are so many organizations that are doing this but i think what we're doing is just keeping it very real keeping mm. it very visible and saying that you know this is this is what it is like there's literally no filter not on yeah. the pictures not on the conversations yeah. not on anything because that's just how it should be that's how communities were and that's how communities should be there should not be an instagram worthy cafe so true you know that's really what pulls fast fashion as well right the yeah. fact that you have to wear something new every yeah. single time 
or that yeah. the fact you have to go to a new cafe every single time you go out and i think that way you are uh, also uh, in question um, what we value as a community then do I we value we- just material wealth or, or what is it that we actually value do we value human connections more than exactly i mean you know i think even with how societies have worked like i think we were discussing earlier as well food has always played such an important role in connecting mm. but so has so have other utilities you know like so has fashion for example mm. like the whole culture of hand me downs the whole culture of women spending years to like come up with one piece of fabric for example that just goes on from generations to generations it's it's magical it's beautiful to think Absolutely. about it. and then to think about our culture in which like we can throw yeah horrendous <laughs> exactly and especially with the food also yeah. like everybody has a homemade a palette mm. or flavor which from your household is passed on to you and then you carry it through generations and generations yeah. it is also very much personalized and it connects you on a, another mm. level as well with your heritage with your ancestors and so yeah. and so forth yeah so given this uh, how you ventured into the food industry with more greener and sustainable process i wanted to also know have you ex- felt or observed any impacts disaggregated impacts on men and women through uh, this food system well i mean honestly i mean women and men i think both work as producers processors or traders of food but i think difference comes in when it comes to constraints mm. women face many more constraints that disfavor their progress as compared to yeah. men in the food industry so providing simple things such as seeds or fertilizer you know women start their own gardens they start their own production in house which kind of like gives the family food as well mm-hmm. as provides nourishment to the communities around so i think the impact per se is tough to put in a paragraph <laughs> okay but similar to fashion and similar to many other industries it's the constraints it's, really that yeah. lead to the inequalities it's the society mm, i see yeah that's that's a very mm. true that you cannot put so many things in yeah. a straightforward way like so many underlying factors attached to them yeah so uh, true in the food system as well yeah um, i think it's simple as you know for example if you have to think about patriarchy and if you have to think about patriarchal mm. power if you even think about our households the active adult males would usually call, have like the first call on the quantity and the quality of food whether we mm-hmm. accept it or not it's actually though it's actually men making the calls on what is going to be called for what are the flavors that are going to be mm. served what is the what is it that is preferred and then women inherently giving into that so it's not as if we're accepting that uh i'm making this because it's because it's just been that way for generations when yeah. mm-hmm. are sort of you know not putting themselves at the priority or at the head of the family but they're letting men be where they have been placed for a while did how can we challenge uh, this uh, sort of tradition mm-hmm. that has lived um, that is alive and thriving and has been living with us for so many centuries it is <laughs> it is really difficult i mean i if you read about subjects such as domestic science and stuff you will realize that 
domestic science came in as a way of as a way to teach women how to actually do mm. gender or how to actually yeah. be women to basically investigate yeah. themselves to take care of these mm. duties etc whereas mm. it's basically a, a need for survival right like it was never supposed to be a feminine duty yeah. it was never supposed to be the duty of the female yet it has become a domesticated duty that is looked down upon or you know that is not yeah so must become like a attached to your part of your identity Absolutely. if you don't know if you don't have a close relationship with food people are all like for women people are always shocked like how come you don't know how to cook in spite of being a female and do they ever ask that to men is that a reason why men are looked down upon no and i think that's what really surprises me and some of us when we think about these conversations but you know what i um, learned from you erica is that you've like taken the power of uh, growing um, everything on your own and then making those smaller things on your own so you've really taken the yeah. power you've empowered yourself in that way and you haven't yeah. let sort of the market dictate how it'll work for you or you haven't let anybody else dictate how it works so i feel yours is an example of really challenge the patriarchy by just uh growing it yourself and making things yourself to answer your earlier question on how do we break this cycle or how do we actually get out of it yeah. is actually by having these conversations mm. actually by this is possible this can be done this has been done yeah. by women or just as as much the commoner as you are so you know you don't need to be a somebody to start yeah. a revolution you know you can just be anybody exactly yes we always we always say that the podcast that we're doing like it's an audio journal but it's also have a underlying action towards advocacy mm. to just have these conversation and normalize uh, certain topics yeah. in our society <laughs> down to the food system we know that currently we've been facing a lot of food insecurity uh, and the issues around food security and the polarity between the consumption of food between in various countries and yeah. the you mm. know the whole cash crop industry that's there the agriculture yeah. that's there uh, and it's yeah. the the immense amount of environmental pressure that mm-hmm. it's creating it's it's mm-hmm. kind of like uh, unfathomable to and to you know uh, comprehend that in future there is going to be food scarcity not only for underdeveloped countries but it may also affect the Absolutely. developed countries because since i'm based mm-hmm. in singapore singapore doesn't have uh, any agricultural farming on their own so they import everything and anything mm-hmm. from outside so it they I've realized our relationship with food here is very different because a there is no concept mm, yes. of seasonality. Everything mm. is available throughout the year. I'm like how are you getting mangoes in <laughs> winter time? How are you getting strawberries at a very mm. odd time of the year? It's very weird to not have that kind of a seasonal system about why does it feel weird to mm. you It's very interesting. It's yeah. Food. It's an evolutionary longing to actually want mangoes during summer time and want strawberries during winter time because that's how we've evolved as humans yes. to actually favor seasonal foods to favor foods that have been grown on our land as compared mm. to foreign land so genetically we just want those foods that are local instead of wanting foods that are foreign 
why mass marketing mm. and mass marketing campaigns have to have 10000 ads before they make us believe that yeah. content is or that or that you know avocados are great for you even mm. when imported from the usa <laughs> that's true if you grow even like that's basil at home right now in singapore you'll probably like that better than any other herb you have in singapore absolutely 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 it's it's the food that you get from the department store and the food that you're growing from, from on your mm. own it's very different it's definitely very different even the milk is very different here than what i used to yeah. have it in india which was more from the direct source of a dairy not even the uh, commercialized dairy yeah. but for a direct source so it's very very different in that terms yeah. i i also wanted to know through your venture like uh what do you feel about the environmental impact how can we do something about it and uh, what are the real consequences of uh, how our current choices are food system i think um, needs to be built around some core principles so the first is obviously the nutritional profile so that is very important whenever you're growing the second is that it has to be delicious and culturally relevant i can't be growing avocados and imagine that everybody is going to enjoy them mm so it might not work with my rajasthani cuisine mm-hmm. right yeah so that is the second most important okay. point the third one is obviously that food needs to be radically affordable otherwise mm-hmm. your middle class class consumers mm-hmm. or even the poorest of the poor are not able to afford it and so we yeah. have hunger and fourth and the most important one is that to have local value chain mm-hmm. If a food system has broken supply chains it is going to have scarcity it is going to have a lot of these issues that we are currently facing that you earlier pointed out and it is going to lead to mm-hmm. places that we we currently find ourselves in so places wherein we are fearing world hunger places where we're fearing the fact that not just underdeveloped countries but also developing countries or countries like ourselves which are agrarian are still going to face mm. shortage of crops because because of this because of broken supply chains and i'm sure and bhavya can also shed some light on how this works very similarly in the fashion industry too yeah. and why there's such a great divide in pricing why there's such a great divide in when people are trying to source organic foods most of these things i mean i'm so glad that there are people who are actually taking a stop and sort of just reflecting upon their choices yeah. reflect their consumption patterns mm-hmm. just yesterday i was talking to a customer and she was like she was just telling me that you know she had never thought about the the shoes that she wears or mm-hmm. or the bags that she purchases she's mm-hmm. got a closet full of bags and shoes and she's a social worker and it just came to her as a surprise that you know that is something that was harming the environment oh or God. that passion of hers to collect bags and shoes was so bad for and so it's literally about you know just stopping and i think evaluating every single purchase or every single thought that runs through our brain why is it running through what is it telling us and what is it that we need to change to sort of have a much more positive impact and not just on the environment i think it's all circular yeah once you start consuming more consciously you just feel more balanced as an individual as well Absolutely. You, you know you feel satisfied Correct. with just that much because it just gives you so much joy there's no yeah. running around there's no rat race for oh there's a black friday i have to be there yeah it's more about 
I have this black dress which has been with me since 25 years and I still love it. Yeah. And similarly with food, you know, like I have my <laughs> yeah, go-to pumpkin soup and that is the most wholesome thing ever. I don't need to do 25 different places Yeah. and evaluate their soup and then import a pumpkin to make an exotic pumpkin. That, mm. and then... That's true. I think coming back to the food and its impact on the environment, with environment, I think the first aspect is health. Mm. Because of food, public health has greatly suffered. So because of firms such as a Kellogg's and a Coca-Cola, in illnesses and disorders <laughs> like never before, we've seen pollution like never before. And just yeah. because food has to be packaged to mm. be sent to these big um, sort of supermarkets. They have broken supply chains. So pe- people are no longer sourcing from the farmers, but they're just picking up produce from supermarkets. They're no longer trying to grow their own, but they're yeah, just exactly. picking up produce from the markets. Earlier, it used to be, even in India, it used to be the norm to have like at least a little garden to yourself, wherein you right. would grow vegetables. I mean, I've seen yeah. my parents do it. Even my grandparents yeah. have a little. And mm-hmm. I think that's so similar to how fashion, like uh, in the other day we were talking about how the relationship between yeah. the consumer yeah. and the producer is lost. So you're not feeling more connected. You're not even aware of your choices or you don't have a say in that process as well. Whereas if you do have that sort of uh, first-hand connection, uh, you can make more aware choices. It can be more customized and more fit for what you want. You don't have to, like you said, look for the most uh, advanced species of pumpkin or import pumpkin and, and make your best you, pumpkin soup. You know, you value food or anything, any produce, you value it much more. Any yeah. pump, you value it much more when you know what hands is it coming down from. You know, like yeah. who has and if- it matters exactly. a lot or yeah, exactly. the moment you know that journey that it took or that it went through you are automatically much much more thankful and grateful for that produce on your plate or for that product in your closet even if um, if uh, the producers True. are made more visible yeah. um, uh, say somebody does not have the time or the skill to grow their own garden uh, but uh, if, if uh, uh, you know, people in the food industry took on the responsibility to make the producers, the farmers and the uh, uh, makers of food visible, I feel we'll have, uh, we, we'll value it more. Uh, because whenever I come, I definitely feel like um, if I'm having that pizza or if I'm having that particular shake, then, then I know how, is it, how it has been sold. And I just feel so good like there's a dose of goodness that goes inside me <laughs> no I mean, this, is, this, is actually, this is actually a Buddhist that philosophy and practice in which I don't know if you guys have heard about it it's that raisin and water meditation that they do which they, basically the instructor the Buddhist mm-hmm. instructor takes you through the journey of how did that raisin come to play or how and it's a beautiful journey mm-hmm. because he talks about the farmer who once, like, you know, sowed that seed, watered it every single morning, make sure, made sure it got enough sunlight, made sure it got enough shade, grew an entire grapevine, dried them very mm-hmm. carefully, saved, that, saved every single of those raisins, packaged them for you. And then they literally make you count the number of hands that it went through before it came to wow. you. Wow. 
and then you and then uh-huh. when you're supposed so to nice. like when you have a bite of that raisin after listening to that 20 minute long sourcing story you don't feel like eating the entire day because you're so satisfied with that one yeah yeah and because you savor it in so much more depth imagining the whole process and while like you're savoring it up, yeah. it's beautiful you know? Your soul fills up with gratitude for that yeah. reason, and similarly, they do it with water. They they wow. they tell you about how water is always there in abundance, and so we forget about how important it is. Yeah. Through the entire water cycle, but except like yeah. they take it in That's a Buddhist way, and yeah. it's beautiful. They talk about the land, they talk about the people, they talk about everybody else who we don't see, like little yeah. organisms there. and how every single one of them played a big part in purifying this water that you now hold in your hand and then and then that water mm, tastes sweet it, yeah, i mean wow. i've done it so many times and i've never had sweeter water than when i do when i listen to a story like that that yeah that story alone that's uh, a great experience it, but that story alone hearing from you made my heart smile like i feel <laughs> so good right now Harika, how can we move towards conscious consumerism? Like, what is that we can do from our end? Your your perspective changes completely. So when you're seeing packaged food, you start looking at the packaging and start cringing and start thinking, mm. why is it there? Does it really have to be there? I mean, Bhavya and I were discussing this one day <laughs> on how. Initially, when I was in university, I used to write to brands and just say, "Oh yeah, I would really appreciate if you don't do this." And I would give them solutions on what what can they do, like instead of doing that, just because I felt yeah. so helpless. I felt like, you know, as customers, we're just not exerting our power. We're yeah. not saying that this is what you should be doing. I don't want this unnecessary mm-hmm. packaging, or I don't want these fancy boxes that that can't be recycled or that can't be composted. I agree with that. So, and, that's so uh, true. That's so. Know, places, uh, yeah. they they just ask, uh, what sort of package you have, and if you don't have like a four layer packaging, then mm-hmm. you are uh, some marketplace accessible to you as a business. Yeah. So these are even barriers that sort of marketplaces are creating yeah. um, to have because fancier packaging means you are selling something that is of more value. So yeah. this whole notion um, of uh, uh, you know packaging is everything uh, need uh, need to be challenged. And I feel the way you told the story. If we start telling these stories more, then these stories should be the packaging rather than any other material. Absolutely, and I think honestly, it ha- it's already being challenged. Packaging is already in the Yeah. When I think of personal care, Lush comes to. They were the mm. first brand that ever came up with naked bars, and now oh, yeah. naked bars everywhere. Yeah. It's becoming cool to not have packaging for personal care products. <laughs> to actually have right. reliable cans. And I think similarly with food, slow food has become the leader, and it's yeah. about food and pleasure that comes with responsibility, that comes with consciousness. So protecting your biodiversity, but also at the same time protecting farmers. protecting protecting organizations from politicians <laughs> protecting yeah that you know like these big players that try to sort of suppress you try to sort of make you give in yeah there are a lot of organizations in every space which are sort of doing their own bit to make mm-hmm. sure that you don't give in or that you know you're not yeah. to give in if <laughs> and i think <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Can you elaborate yeah, more sure, on the slow food concept? Slow food, like I said, is, you know, literally about Vulcans. So it um, talks about how when you're consuming, there are, there's literally a circle around you, which involves sourcing. So sourcing your food mm-hmm. in the right manner. So A, obviously, the number of miles that it covers has to be under mm. a food, unlike fabric, ages with time. Mm. So the moment... Yeah. The moment a fruit is plucked, the moment a leaf is plucked off the plant, it starts deteriorating. So if you want to get the maximum value out of any mm-hmm. food item, you have to reduce the number of miles it travels. Similarly, you have to reduce the number of hours that it has been plucked and kept for before consumption, because even that leads to loss of nutritional value. Then also comes in, like the second part of sourcing is fair trade. Yeah. So where trade is also a very particular form of consum- uh, responsible consumption in which you take the nature as well as the characteristics of production processes into account. So you're going beyond the quality of the food, but actually mm-hmm. looking at dignity of the individual, mm. you at the environmental aspects of it, and then you're putting it together and saying that this food is fair trade. So this, you must have seen a lot of chocolate bars having fair trade written yeah. on food, but Honestly, I feel a lot of commercialized crops need a fair trade mark because yeah. with any commercialized crop, there is a lot of exploitation that doesn't come uh, the limelight until it gets really bad like it did with cocoa. So um, mm, that's that, so and then obviously the third is um, foods higher on the food chain. So for yeah. example... Any food item that's higher on the food chain requires much more energy and water and other resources to produce. So the most efficient diet per se is actually the amount of food produced per acre of land should be equivalent to a certain number. And when you uh, calculate it, you find out that it's actually a vegetarian diet that you should be sticking to if you actually want to be sustainable and be a slow food yeah i see that's so interesting and i didn't know so much in detail about the concept i mean you should actually be packaging and having these kind of information on the back of the so-called if even have the packaged food then they should have this kind of information rather than only the calorie and the nutrition nutrition they just talk about fortification right if you're buying almond milk, for example, they have stripped the almond of all its nutrition, blended it with water, and then fortified it chemically with other nutrients. Similar to dairy, they have stripped whatever mm. nutrition was there and mixed in other chemicals which don't really serve you but make them make it look attractive as well as stabilize it. So with most processed food, you'll see that it is not only using up extra resources mm. Use, but it it is also stripped off of the actual nutrients that it should have had. It's higher on calories, it's loaded with preservatives, and it's a full-on diet disaster for anybody, right? Like yeah. rather munch on some apples and walnuts or something and just be happy because you're getting all your vitamins, fibers, and healthy fats without having all these fortified vitamins, fiber, and healthy fats. The whole supplements industry, for example, yeah, is has become so powerful because our foods are no longer giving us what they have to or what yeah. we do, right? And why is that? Because, you know, it's it's a vicious circle. It's a toxic circle that we've built up wherein we're exploiting the people, we're exploiting the land, and then we're exploiting our bodies. Yeah. So it's serving nobody but, mm-hmm. uh, but mass marketing giants. 
yeah and i think slow food really helps you tap out of that so for way out of out of mass marketing out of junk food out of out of just mindless purchasing mindless naharika how do we um, yeah what is that one thing that we can do to become more responsible consumers of food because everybody is consuming food what is this one thing the easiest thing uh, anybody can uh, be, become more responsible hmm i think the easiest anybody can do to become more responsible is grow a plant because honestly the moment you grow a plant you become responsible for a plant mm. and you realize how difficult to grow a plant and that's how difficult it to grow and your consumption starts becoming but otherwise like if i had to put it down into points then your consumption becomes responsible when you start looking at various aspects you start looking at your health and just your health and start making things for that so for example you start consuming more living foods or plant based because you want to focus on your health you automatically become much more responsible because you're then reading labels you're reading labels that say stabilizers emulsifiers you start questioning these and the more you start questioning brands about why are you adding emulsifiers mm-hmm. to my baby's milk or why are you adding stabilizers to my ice cream why yeah. can't it be without the moment these questions are raised by consumers we start a mini revolution and every time a consumer raises a question the the brand weakens it stands yeah and the more and our, it's our responsibility literally as responsible or conscious consumers to weaken the stance of these brands who have become so powerful by the yeah because what is the alternative irresponsibility exactly. and and, and responsibility yeah us like if we are not voting with every rupee we spend then who is mm. going to take the responsibility for our resources who's going to take the responsibility for our economy or who's yeah. going to take the responsibility for you know fighting against poverty or like we were talking about inclusion or yeah or women's place in the society all of these things they're all very interlinked and especially with food they're centered around food yeah. and they're always a great conversation starter absolutely oh thank you so much uh, for this conversation um I mean there are just so many ways that you've lifted for both of us if I may speak for Nirali as well um uh, I didn't absolutely. know like absolutely. I didn't know that uh, I didn't realize the power uh, our consumption habits have on the industry in terms of food like I never could articulate it like that um and the way you did it it just lifted so many ways for me um so thanks a lot neharika for giving us your time and having this conversation with us thank you so much for having me very much thank you neharika again to color <laughs> the walls literally with food and that's like yeah i had a lot of fun rainbow colored vegetables for the world <laughs> that's what that's what the japanese do have yeah. you know? so in japan that's yeah. how to teach kids how to have food so they oh, do they, they don't teach them about a balanced diet per se but yes. they teach them to pick rainbow colors for their plate every day in kindergarten and that's how they learn how to have a balanced diet by coloring their plates wow yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh wow that's so a beautiful concept it's so wholesome because you let the children pick yeah instead of teaching them or telling them no eat your vegetables or eat this or eat that 
And this is so nice. Like I want to do that now. I want to see. I'm consuming all the colors of the rainbow every day. How long you playing? Yes. Yes. Color our plates from now on. Thank you, Lord. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.